morning, listeners. Welcome to Thursday in the Doghouse, a radio program created to help educate the dog-owning community about why their dogs do the things they do. I'm your host, Rainy Primeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer. So let me ask you a few questions. Do you have one or more canines in your household? Would you like to learn more about their behaviors and how both good behaviors and bad behaviors are created? Would you like to learn more about what foods are good and what foods should be avoided in their diet? Does your dog have any major health issues? Does he suffer from allergies? I can promise you that if you become a regular listener to Thursday in the Doghouse, you'll learn how to live in harmony with your dog, and you'll understand how to communicate with him in a way that he can understand. You'll also learn more about their health and nutritional needs. If you can't always listen to our show, you can hear my programs by going to my website, www.jerseydogtrainer.com. Click on the page marked Rini's Radio Show, and you'll see a huge list of links you can click on to hear any show that interests you. Each week, my podcast links are put on my website, usually by Friday. So please take advantage of that and listen anytime it's convenient for you. My guest today is Sharon Saxon. Sharon is a writer, journalist, TV producer, breeder, and show judge. She's written several books. One in particular is a terrific book called Pause and Effect, The Healing Power of Dogs. Sharon is a breeder of Champion Whippets and Brussels Griffons. She's an accredited AKC show judge, judging most of the hound group and some working breeds. Sharon is going to talk to us today about sight hounds. Before we talk to Sharon, I'd like to tell you about the services I offer in the South Jersey area as a professional dog trainer and behavior consultant. Is your dog always in the doghouse? Does he greet people by jumping all over them? Does she chew your shoes and steal your undies? Guess what? Your dog needs training. Hi, I'm Rini Primeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer, and I train dogs using only positive-based methods. My services include private training right in your own home. I also offer group puppy kindergarten classes starting at eight weeks of age and group classes for adolescent and adult dogs beginning at five months of age. All group classes are held at Dog Days Camp for Canines, 23 West Main Street, Marlton, New Jersey. For more information, please contact me at 609-280-9338 or on the web at www.jerseydogtrainer.com. Again, that's 609-280-9338 or on the web at www.jerseydogtrainer.com. Good morning, Sharon. Thanks for visiting with us again. Good morning. I'm really anxious to learn more about the hound group, specifically sight hounds. You mentioned to me before that there's a lot of sight hounds, and maybe we should kind of make our listeners more aware of what those breeds are. Who are the sight hounds? Well, they are the dogs who hunt by sight, and they're distinguished from the scent hounds. So the American Kennel Club recognizes one group called the Hound Group, but in there you really have two entirely different types, the Sight Hounds and the Scent Hounds, which are the Beagles and the Dachshunds and the Basset Hounds. And 
on the sighthound side, we've got nine. And I think if I list them, you'll see that you know some of them and you never thought about some others, and that's the Afghan hound, right. the Borzoi, the Greyhound, the Ibizan hound, the Irish wolfhound, the Pharaoh hound, the Saluki, Scottish deerhound, and Whippet. Okay. All of them hunting by sight has led to they have a particular structure. It's most easy to think about that structure if you think about a greyhound. Everybody knows what they look like with a longer neck, longer legs, sort of thin and graceful and elegant body. And that's what all of these guys have in common. Mm -hmm. They also kind of have in common a, a certain personality. Sighthounds tend to be very loving, very soft, very quiet around the home. None of them bark. Slip up on your prey that you've spotted, and you don't want them to get a huge head start from you. Mm -hmm. So they're all very quiet dogs. Okay. But at home, they tend to be very loving, very gentle, very cuddly. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting contrast. Here you have this very loving whippet, which is what I have, that's on your couch and giving everybody a kiss, curling up, and you just never think that... He's a tough dog, but you take him out in a field, and if he were to see a rabbit, when he sees that, he gets full of intensity, and he just leaps out and runs after it, and nothing else in the world matters. Can you describe the difference in personality between the sight hounds and the scent hounds? The first thing that comes to mind is that barking edge, because you have to remember that all scent hounds were, were bred to bark. Some of them, because they're little and their owners needed to see where they were, like the dachshund and the beagle. Others, because uh, that's the way they hunted. The, if you think of the foxhounds, for instance, chasing a fox, or the coonhounds, who coonhounds hunt and the hunters never even see them. They just follow them by what they hear in their barking. I always want people who want to get a beagle and dachshund to know that this is one aspect of the personality they're going to have mm -hmm. is the barking. Sighthounds do not have that. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people will come in the house, be here for an hour or two, and then be shocked to see that there's two whippets there. And they say, I never heard them. <laughs> I love working with whippets. I've, I've worked with several of them, and you're exactly right. They're love bugs, and they're very quiet, and they're couch potatoes, um, and, and they're beautiful. Yes, and not necessarily the easiest to obedience train. Correct. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> they really often don't seem to see the point of anything more than the things they like to do, which right. are right. run and then cuddle up. Right. Maybe in, in, in South Jersey, actually, I'm the founding member of a club called the Jersey Rag Racers. And this is whippet owners who love racing their whippets. When uh, people who don't know about this first see us, always a little hesitant. Mm -hmm. They say, are these greyhounds? And then we tell them, no, it's a, it's a whippet because a whippet actually is a small greyhound. Greyhound is about a 27 inch at the shoulder and a whippet is um, not more than 22. So they, then they see our racing equipment, which we, we set up in a school field usually, mm -hmm. and they say, oh, what's going on? You're going to race these dogs? And we assure them that we're doing it for fun, mm -hmm. that we're not like the rather business-like people who have racing greyhounds where there's betting and all right. kinds of business involved. Right, right. We do it because our dogs love it right. so much. They and it's a great outlet for them to be able to do the things that they were bred to do, but in an appropriate venue. Absolutely. They'll just take off. That's, in fact, why whippets have a special collar. It's called a greyhound collar, but you can only usually get them at a dog show or at some kind of event for sale. 
greyhounds, and it's real wide. It's like about three inches wide on this little dog, and it's because as soon as they see anything, whoop, they just fly to the end of their leash. Mm-hmm. And so we put these wide collars on them so they can never hurt their necks. Okay. And that goes for all of them, the Afghan hound, the Saluki, the Scottish deerhound. People might not be familiar with all of them, but if you can think of that greyhound structure, whenever you see kind of a greyhoundy dog, mm-hmm. it's a sighthound. Okay, and they have these long muzzles, too. Um, the better long... to hold their prey. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. As a show judge, Sharon, what do you look for specifically in the confirmation of these dogs to judge whether one is a good representation of its breed or not? There are some things that are just so specific to a sighthound. The first one I always think of is that neck. You want a neck with an arch that is relatively thin at the top and then swells in size into the shoulder. And the reason you want that arch, it's not because it looks so lovely when the painters and sculptors do a representation of it. It's because the arch is very useful to the dog who needs to bend their whole body. And the use of that arched neck is to go after its prey. They generally chase small prey like hares, and so the neck had to be very flexible. Mm-hmm. They so have this long arched neck. Then when you get to the body, the dogs are narrow compared to a German Shepherd. Actually, when people have really never seen a sighthound, we've had some people come up to us and say, this is terrible. This dog is so thin. What have uh, you done to him? Right. Just as the natural sighthound structure, mm-hmm. they are narrow. They're not broad. Well, they're built for speed, just like the thoroughbred horse. You don't ever see an obese thoroughbred horse. Right, right, mm-hmm. exactly. Then a sighthound, even though he's narrow, he's got really big lungs. So you're going to see spring of rib and lungs capacity is judged by the length. It doesn't go back into the dog. It goes down. So his lungs are covering the part from the shoulder all the way down to the elbow. Mm-hmm. So you see very deep chests on these rather narrow dogs. Mm-hmm. And when they're moving, those lungs are going like a bellows. And then the bellows image is carried through because from the ribs, you go up and they have a very narrow waist. The loin part is very narrow. And again, that's the bellows image, and it's really the function of the dog, how they work. Bellows always is curved, and part of it is more narrow Mm -hmm. because that's more efficient. And the the final thing I would say about their structure, which is so different than other dogs, if you touch a sighthound, he's got a thinner skin. Genetically, their skin does not carry the amount of fat that even a, a, a normal, say, Labrador retriever carries. So the thin is very flexible, very soft, very thin. Mm-hmm. You wrote an article about creating a matrix for learning the physical characteristics of similar breeds. Matrix that you're talking about. Exactly what we've just been covering. Those are the points because those points are so specific to the sighthounds. And What's exciting to me is that there are other sighthounds in the world, and we're slowly getting some of them coming into this country. Mm-hmm. Right now, the AKC has in their stud book program three breeds, the Ozawak, the Cherneko del Etna, and the Slugi. These are three rare breeds of sighthounds. If you were to see one, you wouldn't necessarily know what it was, but because you knew the matrix of sighthound points, you'd say, well, that's got to be a sighthound of some kind. They've got the long neck. They've got the long legs. They've got the ribs, which cover a deep 
chest for lungs, they're really distinctive. When I'm training a new judge, I want to get their eye adapted to that. And I find training a new judge on greyhounds is the best way to go because that's kind of the closest thing to what each other one has. Mm-hmm. Each one has some differences. Like, for instance, the Azawak, they are so funny looking. They've got these long legs and a very short back. When you see them, couldn't mistake them for any other breed. Yet you'll see the matrix of the sighthound characteristics in them. Mm-hmm. Does the particular size of a sighthound have anything to do with the game that it hunts? That's a very good point. The Whippet is one of the newer sighthounds because the sighthounds tend to be very ancient breeds. The sighthound is a small sighthound, and here's what's happened there. In England, they loved hunting with their greyhounds so much that at some point the royalty laws were um, brought in. I think this was about... 1400, if I'm not mistaken, it determined what things that only royalty could own, that only the kings and the dukes and the people of royal blood. And they put greyhounds in there, mm-hmm. that these beautiful, tall dogs that they used to hunt deer course through their fields, and they also hunted hare. England has a, a lot of hare, they're very, very big rabbits. Mm-hmm. Poor people were forbidden to own a sighthound. Since a sighthound was described very completely, and a lot of it had to do with his size, they took secretly some small greyhounds and bred them to terriers and to other small greyhounds, and they created the Whippet. And the Whippet is a dog that you are supposed to be able to pick up under your arm, carry to a field, put him down. He runs out to you, a hare to put in your pot and you pick him up and you carry him back home. So this little dog escaped being illegal because he was such a small size. The royalty laws were eventually done away with and maybe partly it was because they realized that the whippet was just as effective. Mm -hmm. Uh, A whippet could catch the the hare. A whippet is a sprinter and he goes very quickly. The greyhound is a long distance runner and they were used over long fields, which, of course, the royalty had plenty of room. They would hunt their hair across a big field. Listening to your description of the Whippet and how the, the Whippet came about, you said that it was bred. It's got some terrier in there? Yes, and it's a little bit controversial because some people think that the terrier is very evident because sometimes whips can be very excitable. Like when you come home to see your whippet, he goes into what we call a whippet frenzy. Of course, <laughs> a lot of other breeds do this. But the whippet comes to the door and he spins around, he jumps up in high in the air and looks into your eyes and he's just so happy to see you. Well, some people think that's a sign of a terrier blood in them. Personally, I don't because I have also owned greyhounds. Not very many people have owned greyhounds because that's a difficult dog to have in a home setting because they're so big mm-hmm. and they need so much exercise. Mm-hmm. But greyhounds do the same thing. They come to the door, they're so happy, and they, they fling. The last, one of the last greyhounds I had a couple of years ago, he, he was so happy to see me one day. He did about $200 worth of damage in the hallway. Oh, my goodness. Just from uh, leaping up in the air and knocking the phone over. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I have to say I've not met a, a, such an excitable greyhound at this point. So I guess my time is coming. I don't know. <laughs> so then some sighthounds can be very challenging to live with them. They're not all just couch potatoes. You know, I actually would say that a sighthound is not a 
a beginner dog. Mm -hmm. If somebody wanted to get a dog and they'd never had one, they weren't used to raising a dog, I personally wouldn't recommend a sighthound. I think they are challenging to raise. They have uh, these exercise requirements. Mm -hmm. They, all of them, as puppies, chew a lot. You know, that big, strong muzzle has a lot of big, strong teeth coming in. Mm -hmm. It's another one of the characteristics we look for in the dog show ring, that they have very large canines and big teeth. Mm -hmm. Well, those teeth don't settle completely until, I think, about 18 months. Wow. So are they teething for that long? Yes. Oh, dear God. Yes, they are. So you get the puppy play biting until they're 18 months old? Yes. If you can keep your Italian shoes away from them (laughs) until they're 18 months, after that, I find usually you never have to worry about it again Mm -hmm. because they're they're not, when they're older, they're not generally chewers. But as young dogs, when we get together in our Jersey Rag Racers Club or any other club, people compare the lists of things the dogs have chewed. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I've heard of uh, curtains being brought down mm. and windowsills being chewed mm. and the chair legs. Owning a sighthound, you really know how to to have him in a crate or to have him confined in some way when you're not there. Mm. And some people find that difficult. So yeah. something has to be done. The truth is, I mean, uh, you know, I've worked with greyhounds and whippets, and, but the thing is I don't get a chance, especially with the greyhounds, to see them as puppies because so many of them wind up in rescue because they have been on the track. And so any of the greyhounds that I've worked with are usually about right. two. Right, and there really are, I don't know if there's even six greyhound breeders in the country of show greyhounds because the pet homes for greyhounds do go to those track greyhounds as they should all share the most wonderful personality. And a greyhound is such a healthy animal, a show greyhound, that they'll very easily have a litter of 12 Okay. And they'll all live, and they'll raise them, right. and there aren't that many homes for greyhounds, mm-hmm. so you have to be prepared to be the owner of 12 greyhounds. Oh, my God. What would be their typical medical or physical problems that they would or could come up with during their life? Are they a hardy breed, or do they have specific health issues that people should be aware of? It's very deceptive. People will look at my whippets and go, oh, my, they're so frail. In fact, they're the farthest thing from frail. They are one of the most healthy breed. We are thankfully free of most uh, genetic problems. We don't have a specific genetic problem. And the reason why a whippet is so healthy is that he comes very close to being that medium-sized, approximately 30 to 35-pound mm-hmm. basic canine with a basic canine structure. It's a healthy structure. Most whippet owners, if they are exercising and racing their whippet, at some point in their life they'll end up getting stitches for the for the dog. They have a propensity to run as fast as they can and then suddenly hit something like a tree or right? not get out of the way of a fence post. So mm. that's how they get their cuts. But they're not at all argumentative. They're a pack dog and they... Um, all live together very peacefully. Mm-hmm. But the larger sighthounds are prone to bloat, unknown among mm-hmm. the borzoi, uh, which is also called the Russian wolfhound, mm-hmm. the borzoi and the greyhound, which is also called the English greyhound. Those can have a problem with bloat. Among track greyhounds, the biggest problem is cardiomyopathy, heart problems. 
people like me who raise coursing and and show dogs are not fans of the racing community mm-hmm. because we feel that they have they put all their emphasis on how fast the dogs run and they don't look at health. A lot of the racing greyhounds die very young of heart problems. Have you seen that? No, I, I was not aware of that. I certainly can agree that, that anybody who's breeding for mo- the money end of it is not going to take their time breeding for health because they just want to get the animal on the track and make money, Right. which makes my blood pressure go up. Trust right. me. I was not aware that greyhounds uh, have cardiomyopathy. I, I think of a boxer and I think of heart problems immediately. You know, it's... Very common. I mean, I have seen greyhounds dying as young as two years old. Really? Attract greyhounds. I have to differentiate because the people who have the coursing or the show greyhounds, they're the pet people who want their dogs for life. Their Mm -hmm. dogs are bred to live 12, 13, even 15. Mm -hmm. And they do have the longevity that the whippets have. Mm -hmm. Particularly those racing greyhounds are very known to have short lives. You know, we almost cringe sometimes when... Some new owners come out to our coursing events, and they have just adopted a two- or three-year-old greyhound, and they want to get the greyhound involved, and the greyhound wants to because Mm -hmm. it's so much fun to be out on a field and racing and catching. Oh, they just have the greatest time. Mm -hmm. But um, more than any other breed, like ten times more than any other breed, we've seen deaths in the racing greyhounds because their hearts uh, have not been bred for the best quality. You would think that they would look to that because if they want longevity even on the track from their own dogs, that they would look to that issue and try to breed it out of them and correct that. I mean, if you... You would, but what I believe has happened on the tracks is that they are so short-sighted that they look only to maybe the first two years of that dog's life Mm -hmm. and how much he wins by the time he's two or three. Mm. And then they want to get rid of it. And Well, they want to breed the very fast one, want to get rid of the others. You have to take into consideration more of the longevity. Like, for instance, among my whippets, I can tell you all the parents and grandparents and siblings where they are and how long they've lived. And, And I know that they lived 18 years. Wow. In, in the whippets, I regularly... Really? I've been breeding whippets for about 25 years, mm-hmm. so I've had to go through quite a few of calls from owners about what's happened. Between 15 to 18 is the longevity for a whippet, mm-hmm. but a greyhound is much. A, a track greyhound is almost under 7, I would say. Mm-hmm. The course in greyhounds more. They'd be 12, 13 or more. Wow. Okay, this is really interesting, and I'm learning a lot myself. So when I go to train these dogs, I'll certainly be much more aware of uh, of what I'm looking at and what I'm working with here. Exactly. What about what about behavior problems, and what about the owner who adopts a greyhound, or they they get a whippet, and they think. You know, having a fenced-in backyard is going to be great because their dog can run around in the yard. What advice would you give people about having their dog, let's say, out in the backyard and, and just exercising out there on its own? There's no possibility that the human doesn't have to get involved. And if, if you're looking for a push-button breed where he's just going to go out in the backyard and exercise himself, you cannot get a sighthound. What's going to happen? They generally don't exercise them themselves the way, well, I don't know, who does exercise themselves? Do Dobermans exercise themselves? 
some crazy hyper uh, hunting dogs can, but it's not structured exercise. So they wind up digging and doing all sorts of inappropriate behaviors, and then the owners are in shock that their dogs are doing all this massive destruction because nobody's there to supervise and provide information to the dog. But I think that, and, and I'm sure you'll agree, that if you put a sighthound out in the backyard and think that it's going to exercise itself, the best type of exercise that dog is going to do is jump the fence and take off. Exactly. The, the dog is going to wait for you to exercise him. The best thing for a sighthound is if you're joggers who take their adult sighthounds with them, that's very good exercise for them. If you can go to big fields, sighthounds exercise very well with another dog. It's it's really funny. I, I remember a good friend who got a um, whippet from me, and he loved taking her out to um, some big fields, and he'd run her, throw a ball for her. Sighthounds don't necessarily bring you back the ball, but they like they'll chase it, they'll bring it back, they'll put it down somewhere near you. Right. And he loved taking her out. And one day he went to his favorite field, and there was a guy with a German Shepherd. Mm-hmm. And so and he, they decided to leave both dogs loose because they got along. And so he, the guy said, well, look, look at that. My German Shepherd is keeping up with your whippet. And they looked over, and there the two of them were galloping along the perimeter of the field. And Phil s- said, I, I didn't want to tell him. My dog's only in second gear. <laughs> Oh, I bet that shepherd slept really well when he got home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Actually, I've seen Doberman Pinscher breeders who say, well, we got a with it because he exercises the other dogs. How, how cool is that? That's yeah. Good. <laughs> That's they, great. they like other dogs. Mm-hmm. What sports activities? You talk about coursing, and I'm not quite sure everybody who's listening knows what that word means. Generally, what sports activities are really good for these types of dogs? Well, Coursing uh, historically is uh, chasing rabbits or deer um, over fields with dogs. And, of course, it's um, totally banned in England where um, the sport came to us. And in this country, in our state, um, hunting with dogs like that is illegal. And I think there's only about six states out west where you still could hunt of hair with mm-hmm. a dog. So what we've come up with we call lure coursing where we tie a white plastic bag on a lure and then we have a motor that and we put it out on pulleys and so then this lure is pulled around the field to the different pulleys at a high speed and the dogs chase after it. And it's a sport now in which you can earn a championship and it's uh, judged it's a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and anyone who has a sighthound, really, you should uh, go on and find a club near you and at least get out to see it. But you, you, the dogs love it so much. I'll tell you one thing that happened to us. One time a guy showed up at our practice. We were having a lure-coursing practice, and he came over. He was a very nice man, and he said he had two whippets, and he was thinking of doing this, so we welcomed him, and we said, Great, yeah, um, this is how it goes. And he watched our dogs running round and round. And then we said to him, why don't you bring your whippets next time you come? And he said, oh, they're here. They're in the car. And we all looked at him and said, you left your whippets loose in the car. Oh, gosh. And we went back, and they had torn off the dashboard. Oh, jeez, really? <laughs> they 
totally turned on because they got so excited oh. and they saw the lure going by right in oh front of their face God. and they other side down chasing it they yeah. they jumped on his dashboard and they pulled out every bit of it <laughs> Sharon I just love talking to you and you're such an expert in in breeding and showing and you have to promise me you're going to come back and maybe we'll talk about maybe that next time I would really like uh, to talk more about scent hounds if you're willing because I think more people do get scent hounds at least in this area as pets and I'd absolutely like and I'm the owner of two dachshunds so well, there and, you go. and a dachshund judge so I, go. I have quite oh, a bit good. to say good well then we'll have a date soon, I hope. Okay. All right, Sharon, thank you so much for uh, visiting us in the doghouse again, and we'll be in touch real, real soon. Bye now. All right, bye-bye. Thank you, listeners, for listening to Thursday in the Doghouse this morning. I promise that next week we'll have another interesting program. A trainer from Santa Clara County, California, Nanette Morgan, is going to talk to us um, next week. Uh, to educate us on how we can avoid being attacked by an aggressive dog and what we should do if something awful like that should happen. So I hope that you tune in um, next week from 10 to 10.30 on WNJC, 1360 AM. Talk to you guys later. (laughs) 